Hello, uh, welcome to this edition of Engage. My name is Andy Green, and we're in conversation about purpose. Purpose and social purpose have continued to capture the attention of the C-suite and boardrooms. But what exactly is it? Uh, purpose is it a fad or profound new dimension to public relations and communications practice? Is it just fluffy, hippie talk or central to what we do? How should any practitioner engage with the issue or explore new ways of doing and doing things differently? What role can PR and comms teams play in supporting their clients and organisations to be more purposeful? Uh, anthropologists have a concept called liminality. Uh, describe a time where the old rules no longer work and the new ones need to be written. We aim to explore within this era of liminality the misconceptions around purpose and why, in a post-pandemic world, purpose has emerged as an even stronger imperative. In this episode, we welcome our guest, Matt Appleby, Director of Grow Social Capital that works to create social change and build communities of changemakers through harnessing social capital. Ben Casbers, uh, founder and managing director of Claremont, a behaviour change communications agency that helps governments, charities and brands solve real world problems. And Shannon Walker, founder of Agency Social Disruption that delivers purpose-driven and disruptive digital storytelling. Uh, if we could start and maybe by way of introduction, tell us how did you get engaged with what is called purpose? Uh, Shannon, I mean, I know that you had a, what would, many would consider a dream job uh, working for a luxury brand, uh, but now you're running your own agency. Uh, tell us how do you made that journey? Definitely a dream job indeed. Um, and I'm so grateful for the wonderful um, brands I have worked on. But to put it in a um, short way, my journey and purpose started with two things. Frustration and a massive leap of faith. And to give a quick overview, I've been in the industry for eight years. I've worked with amazing brands. But whilst I love working in comms, the lack of diversity and how we market to consumers, which can fuel mental health problems, social injustice, amongst other issues, has been a real big frustration throughout my entire career. Um, so rather than staying frustrated, the concept of social disruption was born out of um, my um, desire to create more um, purpose for my profession and use it as a vessel for change. I thought I want to contribute to change in the industry. So I had a strong desire to support brands in doing that. So I thought, right, how can I take this frustration, my lived experience and expertise to consult brands, implement more meaningful campaigns and work with partners to tell inclusive brand stories. So it's really amazing now um, to sort of be part of the conversations around purpose, but also see and work with brands increasingly wanting to create more meaningful communications too. That's great, though. Uh, Matt, what about you? What's your story of how you got in this world of purpose? Uh, my background was uh, agency for about twenty years, so I was uh, I was running an agency here in Cardiff, and and was kind of increasingly being much more kind of interested and fulfilled by um, the behaviour change type of work that we were doing. So we were doing quite a lot in public health and those sorts of things. Similarly, outside work, I was doing more and more in uh, in my local community around things like developing community news, um, social history projects and those sorts of things, um, and doing a fair bit of volunteering also with the CIPR. That all kind of coalesced together in me leaving the agency and joining a charity called Business in the Community. Um, so I was the director of that in Wales for three years, running what is the Prince of Wales's uh, responsible business network. So working with uh, essentially a charity, a membership organisation of businesses that want to do business better and and you know sort of echoing some of the things that Shannon's just said I think you know that, that felt to me like an opportunity to actually get in there with organizations and and support and encourage that sort of behavior change that we were looking um, looking for to to start to get businesses to become more purposeful in their actions uh, I did three years there um, and then made my own leap of faith out into a kind of freelance consultancy life. And as part of that, I've been involved with um, with setting up or, or been involved with the foundation of two things. One, Grow Social Capital, which you mentioned, Andy, a, a new social enterprise that's been going for about just under a year. And something called the Dublin Conversations, um, kind of voluntary pan Europe with uh, bits of the rest of the world involved um, project, which is looking at uh, shaping a conversation about what the future of communications looks like, largely through the lens of purpose and purposefulness. Thank you, Matt. Uh, ben, how did you get into this uh, area of purpose? Mine started when I was at university. There were a couple of important books that I consumed at that time. One was uh, 
was No Logo with Naomi Klein, which really clobbered me about how brands and uh, in particular brands uh, can change the world. The other was Anita Roddick, who I think is the one of the real founding thinkers on purpose in this country, business purpose in this country. She wrote a book called Business as Unusual. And that, for me, just shone a light on the fact that business could be a force for good. And so those two clashed together, no logo and business as unusual. And in 2008, when I set up my business, I uh, went with Anita on that and said that we, as a business, could be uh, could be a force for good whilst making a profit. We could do that through our work. We can do that through the way we treat our people. Um, and it's really gone from there. And then... Really, I mean, we can build upon that. I mean, this question of like, why is this whole subject important to you? And Ben, I mean, uh, why? What's the why of your story? You know, I wrestle with purpose as a thing. Uh, I'm clear that it is a force for good for business. I'm clear that it is uh, it is making the world better. But sometimes it drives me nuts. The whole purpose scene. I see uh, uh, the the purpose wash thing, which I know we're going to come on to. That bothers me a lot. Um, I get very uh, frustrated when I see people doing things tokenistically or just for appearances. I think that's a real conversation that the PR and comms people need to need to ha- have and keep that front of mind so that we can maintain our integrity and all of that. Um, so on that side of it, it drives me mad. And occasionally I'll just chuck it in the bin and just go, don't listen to purpose or read anything about purpose for a few months and sort of go cold turkey on it because I get annoyed with it. But I always find myself coming back to it because it's it, there's no getting away from the fact, what, what are we going to do if we don't have to talk about purpose? We're just all going to go to work and life's too short for that uh, without thinking about the bigger picture. So if it comes down to it, I think... All of this stuff about purpose is about long-termism and the bigger picture beyond making a coin. And, you know, that matters for me. And Matt, for you, what's your question of why here? Why, why is it important to you? I think it's a, it's a, it's a similar sort of thing. I, I think my worry is that it gets talked about in terms of, um, you know, kind of purposeful brands or talking about purpose in communication. It's not actually about the authenticity of talking about purpose within business. You know, BITC used to use a line, this isn't about how you spend your money, it's how you make your money. This is, this is you know, fundamentally about how you behave as a business um, and not, you know, just how you communicate. So I think I, I, it, it's quite, there's a tension there for the PR industry to be talking about purpose and to be making sure that we're talking about it in a meaningful way. And so I think that's probably where, where I'm coming from on it is, you know, I, I look at the talent and the creativity uh, and the energy that there are there is in the in the PR uh, industry and kind of think that there's a real opportunity for that industry to become agents of this kind of positive change. You know, we've got the access, we've got the networks, we've got the influence, we've got the skills to really get in and help to change the way companies are behaving not just work with them to try and improve how they're communicating. So I think it's about how the PR sector can get more deeply into businesses to understand that this is this is about corporate and organisational behaviour change, not just about better strategic communications. And uh, Shannon, what's your story of why? Why is purpose so important and significant for you? Well, I loved what Matt touched upon in regards to, as PRs, we have a responsibility. And I've always been quite aware that um, as communicators and as marketers, we kind of shape the narratives of the world, what we spin out into the world in terms of representation, you know, ideologies, people literally buy into that. So, you know, you are what you eat in some regards. So if we're spinning out certain things into the communities, are they not going to believe that? If we spin out more meaningful things into communities, do we not, um, you know, contribute to shaping better communities, more tolerant communities, more understanding um, and empathetic um, communities? And for me, that's always been quite quite poignant in my career, especially as someone, um, you know, of colour, when often... I don't see much diversity internally or externally. I'm sort of thinking always, okay, how are we empowering other groups which are not represented? And it's always been quite key for me in my career to sort of advocate for that 
um, you know, there are who's missing from this narrative and how can we include that person in, in the narrative? Because in wider society, there's implications for that. So through in my role and, and what I do in my business is sort of um, help businesses see unseen challenges, perhaps because they don't have someone else with a different perspective to sort of point out blind spots, if you like, but using that to work together to creatively solve that. Um, so that's why it's been really important to me, the more societal and bigger picture um, implications um, of not having purpose in, in comms. Thanks, sir. Uh, so if I can really elaborate upon that So um, and really explore this issue then. So if we can create an idea of old school PR um, and a new era for public relations and communications with purpose, how is this new era of a more purpose-driven world different to the old school PR approach. Uh, Matt, I mean, any any thoughts on that at all? I think it, it kind of comes back to to the my last point, really, in, in terms of um, a different type of influence within organisations yeah. um, from, from PR expertise. Um, so actually, you know, we've, we've talked as an industry, you know, the, through our sort of more navel-gazing moments about wanting a seat at the boardroom table for as many years as I've been involved in it. And I think that was that was a little bit about the stature of the industry in old school, whereas I think in, in new school, that's got to be about being able to influence the behaviour of organisations in ways that are going to be um, socially, environmentally better in, in the way in which they operate. And Ben, I know you have your agency, Claremont, you, you set our agency up with a sort of very different approach and agenda. How do you see yourself different from uh, the conventional old school PR approach? Um, and it's like new areas we say have purpose. I think that when we work with an organisation that is clear about their purpose, there's almost a set of guide rails that our work sits within. And it gives us a, a an alignment, our work, an alignment with the bigger goals of the organisation. They've set that very, very clearly um, from the centre. But when you don't have that, which is what I would say is it was a bit more like that in the old school days, um, you just sort of crank out the coverage wherever you can. And that tended to result in a flood of, of very trivial and uh, random things, really, where you just got the column inches uh, or the airtime, but it wasn't necessarily adding to the bigger uh, purpose of the client. And I think there has been the, the purpose movement in PR has actually been perhaps a symptom of us just becoming a more strategic industry generally. We're just a more mature and thoughtful industry that is uh, working more to a plan rather than a tactical industry that's just cranking stuff out as almost like an afterthought, which is what it was like when I first started, to be honest. It was uh, it was quite a chaotic scene where you were just given stuff right at the very, very last minute and said, hit the phones, get it done. And I, I don't think it's like that any anymore in many places that are still in business, uh, although, you know, we haven't done media relations for a while, so I could be wrong on that. I'll have to, have to reserve judgment on that. And as Shannon, you've got a very exciting time in your career. I mean, you've just set up your new agency. Um, how would you describe your approach in your, in your agency to how you serve your clients or what you do for your clients? So um, just going back to your, your initial question, I think that it's so funny because I was reflecting on when I first got in the industry, the goal was sort of like, get on the phone, you know, pitch, 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 you know, awareness, awareness. And it was like, what was the purpose of it? And it was all about KPIs and telling a client you got XXX and it was just, that was it. Whereas now it's just definitely shifted. And as you know, you know, a lot of marketers now are more conscious and we are thinking bigger picture about, you know, what is what our communications actually doing? What's the implications of it? So the first thing I do with my clients is, um, you know, taking a, taking a people first approach, you know, don't just focus on what you want to do or what, what why, are you, why are you so great? There's a bigger purpose to it. It's, you've got your serving clients, you're serving customers. So you think people first, how are your consumers are going to consume it? And a lot of the time it's so funny, you find most people have a massive disconnect in what they want and what their consumers want. So they want. They want to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, but your consumers are A, B, and C. It's a complete disconnect. So the first step in any sort of purposeful comms, I believe, is thinking people first. Like, it's sort of make it all about the people, then work backwards because those are the and people you, that you need to um, not appease, but you know, those are um, they're, they're a huge part of, of your business and 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 your why at the end of the day. Um, so that that's kind of key a key element um, in what I do, where it is people first and. 
um, ensuring that, you know, you're empowering people through your messages, that you're, you're serving them, you're listening, taking in feedback, always evolving. So I think that's all, that's, that's what grounds me and, and something I um, usually um, initiate as a first step when working with clients. Uh, we've explored this idea of a difference between, say, an old school type of PR and a new era, which is much more purpose driven, um, akin to old, this idea of old school PR is the, the label of corporate social responsibility, CSR. Uh, Matt, uh, you massively involved in uh, this area in your uh, earlier in your career. I mean, what do you see? Uh, is purpose the same as CSR? Um, I think it, no. I, I think we've kind of moved on, and and, and you know, sort of simply put, if if you want to kind of look at the history of of responsible business, you know, you went through, uh, you know, a century ago, a kind of period of of philanthropy um, that that then later became, you know, that sort of you know people doing good charitable works became CSR, became kind of more integrated into the corporate body but was very much separate to the day-to-day operation of the business so you know you had a csr department and a csr plan that was separate to actually what the rest of the business was doing often not always um and so it was it was sort of separate and i, and I think you know and, and again i have issue with the word sometimes but um i think what we're what we're essentially talking about is uh, the 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 sort of change to the actual operation of the business to make it better, to make it more people centric, um, to make it more respectful of um, community, planet, place, and and you know all of those things that are kind of um, pressing in terms of the the big issues that we face uh, as a wider society. What about you, Shannon? Do you see this distinction between is purpose the same as CSR? I see them as two different things and um, I've got a bit of a story to sort of like illustrate how they are different. So um, I made a quite an indulgent purchase the other day and the guilt and shame of that <laughs> was counterbalanced because when I got the box, it said, oh, we offset our carbon emission by planting trees. So the CSR um, is what companies can do to sort of, um, you know, counterbalance their responsibility on earth um, and, and, you know, some of the responsible things they can do socially, whereas that brand's purpose isn't to plant trees. Their purpose is to, you know, I don't know, I think it was, I think their purpose is around um, like cutting edge fashion, for example, their purpose is in kind of being forward thinking, etc. But their CSR is to ensure that some of the um, offsets or fallouts from what they do in their purpose is um, kind of balanced by more like corporate responsible things that they can do to offset perhaps if they are, I don't know, um, not being too sustainable, for example. And so hopefully that um, helps to paint a like, clearer picture of the two. And uh, Ben, I mean, what did, what's your take on is purpose the same as CSR? I think I'll build on what Matt said about the fact that CSR tended to be siloed into a separate function and that tended to be dropped when times got tough you know, because they had the CSR department, but they weren't necessarily at the very, very top table with the finance director, the operations director, and so on. Um, they were more of a, of a nice to have. And I think Purpose has really moved on from that and has brought this into a, a, a place where we're threading it through the vital organs of, it's my mixed metaphors, we're threading it through the vital functions of an organisation across marketing, across HR, across all of these different areas. I'll give you an example, actually, if you look at COVID, some organisations really benefited from having a defined purpose at that time. It gave them powerful resource to draw from when times got tough. Well, there's an organisation, a, a very large charity called Change, Grow, Live. They are uh, mainly deal with uh, providing services for people with addiction. They had a very, very defined purpose statement, which is simply believe in people, believe in people. And they've played that out across the way that they treat their service users, the way they hire. Uh, they've threaded it very effectively into every aspect of their organisation. So when COVID hit and lockdown came in and this charity was like most of us was just everybody was sent atomized and sent off to their bedrooms and their and their home offices to work um they had a crisis meeting i believe where they said you know what should we do how are we going to make sure the work gets done and some people said you know we need to uh you know have regular check-ins we need to manage people remotely even more tightly but my understanding is that the, the board there were very, very clear. We say we believe in people. And now is the time 
to go and believe in people. And in fact, what they did is they said to their staff, in line with our belief, our core purpose of believing in people, we believe in you, we trust you to do your best. Now, please, let's do this, let's do your best. And my understanding is that that, uh, that panned out very, very, very well for that organisation. And they were, of uh, those really precarious few months, uh, they went into a radical trust mode of believing in people with their staff that really, really paid off. They were able to lean back on on their purpose when they needed it. And that's just one example of using it in a crisis, but they have been very effective, as I said, at threading it through every other aspect, like how they hire and so on as well. It's right in there as well. And that, for me, is a million miles away from CSR, which was sort of put into an annual report, pictures of painting, people painting the old people's home or doing some other random thing where they've written a check, you know, that is very, very different. And I think that isn't what Anita Roddick had in mind is for people to have a CSR department. I think what she had in mind was what I just described, a thread in a philosophy and a mantra beyond making money uh, through every aspect of of the organisation. You mentioned uh, radical trust there. What do you mean by that? Well, something that I try to do at our place is unless you've got a really, really clear reason, you know, just trust people, just believe in them until they give you any cause or reason not to um, give that trust, then the default should be trust them. Uh, For years, my company, I think, was quite ahead on flexible working, even before COVID and before flexible working has become a thing. And that was rested upon that belief of default to trusting people and as a result you know I think we were able to attract and retain some of the best people off the back of that and I think autonomy in in a job being trusted in a job people have great value attached to that they don't want to go somewhere else uh, where they won't be trusted it's 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 more than cash I think. Hmm. Uh, Matt from your experience I mean how important is this issue of trust in our work, in public relations and communications, any examples come to mind of the significance of trust there? Yeah, I mean, it's that thing about, you know, you, you've, it's the cliche, but you've got to earn it, isn't it? And, and, and I think it's, for me, a lot of the, a lot of the difficulty or the, the sort of conflict in, in the sort of trust area comes from this gap, this purpose gap, if you like, between kind of what you're saying and what you're doing. Um, and I think there's a sort of continuum of, of, of kind of uh, inadvertent to advertentness, if I can make a word up, um, in, in which the people do that. So you've got a recent example like Brewdog, very big on purpose, make a lot of noise, doing some really exciting, innovative things in the environmental space. But then this issue emerges where people are calling into question how they're behaving with their people. So you've got this immediate kind of tension between uh, an organisation that had built up quite a lot of trust by setting out a very public, it's very public stall in terms of what its purpose was and um, delivering to a large extent against that. Um, But then, you know, it's not necessarily being carried through the entire organisation. And there's also, you know, there's lots of research that shows this purpose gap emerging between um, businesses that define their purpose and and say they make decisions based on their purpose and values, but then don't necessarily run it all the way through the business. So they might not be recruiting, they might not be um, promoting and paying based on purpose. They might not be expecting of their supply chain and really working with their supply chain and into the community against that purpose. They might not be talking to investors about it, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think trust comes from that ability to demonstrate that you can show that purpose permeates through the entire operation of the organization and anybody's interaction with your organization should should reflect that at any point. Uh, Shannon, I mean, from your experience, how important is this dimension of trust in, in our work? It's incredibly important. I mean, a PR is public relations. There's no relationship without trust. And what's been, what's been um, really poignant in this time is that 
trust is increasingly becoming the currency of our consumers. Consumers are incredibly more um, conscious in this age. And I think a recent stat showed that, you know, brands that have that, that display purpose or trust, I think 63% of consumers said they'll shop with them more. So it's now becoming um, a more important and um, buying decision, um, a buy and purchasing factor for consumers. Um, and I believe a huge part of that is transparency. Whereas brands can't just say, we stand for this, we do this, we do that. And now consumers are make, wanting brands to be more accountable and sort of um, asking them questions and, and doing research themselves, actually, to, to show. And that's why brands can no longer just say they've got to do, it's important to do, because that builds trust. It's the evidence now. And again, you know, just quick pointing back to some of the events last year, I think there's a huge um, drive towards um, consumers just really holding brands at, at high regard now. And, and they've got to be accountable. So now... Brands, you just can't say you've got to do as well because that builds trust and transparency. And, and that's just so important for modern day consumers today. So explore this, the various dimensions there. I mean, what do you say to people who, who dismiss uh, purpose as a fad? Uh, anyone want to comment on that? Is purpose just another fad? It has real risk of being faddy. Uh, if it, it, uh, I mentioned that earlier on. A few years ago, after we published some, some research into purpose and I was at my peak peak purpose phase, um, I went to a conference and there was the managing director of a very prominent uh, consumer agency took the stage and he put up a slide on the screen. It was one of those horrors which, was, uh, which had about 25 layers to it. It was a pyramid, of course, had to be a pyramid. And he, uh, for the next half an hour, took us through what he described as their purpose platform product. And he told us about how one of the uh, compare the market type brands had come up to his agency, a retained client, and said, help, give us some blooming purpose. We need some purpose. Everybody's going to talk about purpose. We haven't, we're getting clobbered in the press for, for doing this whatever wrong. Give us a bit of purpose, will you? And the MD, with a straight face, told us exactly how they serviced that uh, client and they gave them a purpose platform and he described it. At which point I sort of tore up my purpose book collection, chucked it in a bin and took a few months of cold turkey after that because it was nauseating, it made me feel sick. It made me think, you know, what what, what, what do you think you're doing? Why does this person think it's right to go to a client like that, an organisation like that, and say, we, an external PR agency, are going to dream something up, slap it on you, and, you, you know, we'll sort this out for you. I mean, to answer your question, I mean, that, that for me is, is faddy max, you know, that's faddy cubed, it's just faddy on steroids, and, and that has happened and probably is still going on. And so I think there is that real risk. But despite that, there's also what I was describing earlier with Change Grow Live and countless other organisations like the, the various people that you know, Matt and yourself and Shannon work with who are doing it properly and using it to make a difference, which is a completely different story. There was one that I wanted to mention, if I may, Andy, please, which is one very, a bit more low profile, sort of anti-brew dog, which is Timpsons, the, the, the key cutting brand. They are a, a big retailer, 2,000 stores, 5,000 people, and they are about as purpose-driven an organisation as you'll ever find. The things that they do on every layer um, are really above and beyond what most companies do. But they don't have a big purpose shop front. In fact, I looked around, uh, I typed in Timpson's purpose statement they have no purpose statement they have no they have no mission statement uh, as a company they haven't written anything out they don't speak at conferences they don't even publish a sustainability report or anything of the kind but the things that they do at every level are um are pioneering matt i mean there's that story there of like sort of um the purpose, uh, posing purpose being a facile, superficial thing. Does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, there is a real danger of that. And you know, we're kind of, we're kind of straying back into this purpose wash territory again, isn't it? Of, of you know, it, it if it looks like the next the next big thing in marketing, um, rather than 
people accepting that businesses have both a responsibility and an opportunity um, to sort out some of these big um, societal issues that we're facing, um, then it is just going to descend into into that kind of faddy bullshit, basically, which which kind of doesn't do anybody um, any good and actually tarnishes those organisations and those companies that are doing it well, unfortunately. And, you know, familiar with the Timpsons example, and I, I mean, it's an absolutely brilliant one the 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 work they just kind of quietly getting on with um you know do a lot working with people you know supporting people coming out of prison and those sorts of things fantastic fantastic work one of the other ones that um i i talk about quite a bit is um close to home based in north wales is, is iceland the the supermarket um and again not not high profile in in talking about the kind of purpose and the mission particularly but a very activist um chief exec uh very environmentally conscious and, and one of the reasons i like them as an example is they're very open about trying to do things um, and they're very open about if things don't work and they'll talk about things that don't work and i think there's a there's a real um there's two things that you know it, it, it is absolutely authentic because they're trying things to be better um and and realizing that actually it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to kind of keep trying until you get it right and by being open about the process, they are kind of giving that knowledge to anybody else. So if anybody else is trying to kind of reduce the plastic in their packaging, they can learn lessons from them because they're out there at scale trying to do it and sharing what they're doing. So, yeah, there are some really nice, fairly unsung examples out there of people who are doing it really well um, and doing it for the right reasons. Shannon, I mean, any sort of stories or experiences you want to share where you've seen it done either good or bad, this thing of purpose? Dove recently launched the Crown Project where they're looking to end unnatural hair discrimination. Um, and I think in the purpose um, kind of space, people are looking at the difference between brands that jump in a bandwagon and brands that um, kind of come back up what they're saying by their previous history of being um, instrumental in change. So, you know, for Dove's example, that was quite authentic because I know that for years they've spoken about, um, you know, equality and they've made mistakes in the past don't get me wrong but they've always stood up and said you know what oops yeah we made a mistake here's how we're going to change it and they've continued they haven't been like oh we made a mistake let's hide away let's put our head in shame we're not bother do it again they've always continued and just to give an example of a brand that hasn't done it too well um Gillette has recently done a um, campaign around ending toxic um masculinity and a lot of people were like sorry mate last year you had you had a advert about how men are strong and men are this men are that and now you're kind of um cursing those men the same men you built that narrative around i think you know when it comes to purpose you just you just can't change overnight you've got to you know consumers are looking for you to back up what you're saying with um you know your your, your history or if you know your history perhaps wasn't um you know um, in line with what you're doing now perhaps address it you can't just sort of pretend you're something completely different so i say yeah those are the kind of two examples that show a brand that just gets on with it and purpose has always been a part of their kind of narrative and a brand perhaps you are jumping on the bandwagon but they need to be careful of um having backlash because consumers are incredibly smart and would say sorry you know you just can't have a complete personality change overnight and expect us to believe the um you know <laughs> the new narratives you're spinning so what's emerging here is a, a message of like uh, listen to what I do rather than what I say, and the challenge has is that public relations and communications has been primarily focused on uh, shaping the saying. So how do we like move up the food chain? How do we get up there in terms of influencing and guiding the doing as much as the saying? Um, anyone any thoughts on that? I think that's that's a really big challenge, um, and and I think you know I sort of said it earlier on. I, I think there's been an awful lot of pushing um, for you know PR around the boardroom table, uh, which I think has been more about the PR industry wanting it for a status than it has been actually about being able to make positive influence around that boardroom table. Um, you know, uh, and you've seen organisations now who have appointed very, very senior directors of purpose to sit around their boardroom tables and those sorts of things to make sure it happens. So I think it comes back to the skills uh, that we can offer and the expertise that we can offer um, to help companies understand. And I think one of the points that Shannon uh, touched on earlier on is this this idea of listening. And in my mind, the idea of, of PR as a discipline becoming 
the sort of listening discipline, the discipline that can help you understand what your consumers are thinking, what your staff is thinking, what what are the issues that matter to them. And then, you know, using the networks and the expertise, you've got to kind of help shape solutions to that within the organization, organizational solutions. Um, I think we've got a really strong case to make uh, for being more involved in that process. Ben, how do you address this issue of like, getting to grips with changing the doing as much as the saying? I think most people at the very senior level of organisations do com- completely grasp that, that they that reputations are forged from what you do. And the reason that, you know, communications people might not have um, been at that top table is because perhaps they just didn't have the confidence to work at that level to say, to, to uh, give counsel on matters of, uh, of strategy and matters of essential core business. I think we got caught in the tactical zone. You know, people talk about getting caught in the friend zone. We were caught in the tactical zone in the sort of top spin finishing department but actually we should have got been upstream. And I think that people are understanding that more. One of the lever, one of the points of leverage that we have, I think, is the word reputation, which is obviously a shot up. People at the top of organizations and shareholders and so on understand fully that reputations will can make or break in a blink of an eye. And so take prevention and keeping people safe from reputational calamity will put us at the top table, really, if we have the confidence to take that offer when it's when it's given to give counsel at that level. I think uh, we need to look people in the eye at finance director level, chief exec level, in the same way that people in advertising have done for quite a long time and uh, raise our ambition for what we think they ought to do. We need to get them to serve up real substantive activity that we can then go on and communicate rather than we need to get them to give us a bit of budget so that we can do some tactical activity to spin whatever they happen to be doing. So I think that's where getting upstream is the key. And Shannon, how do you get your clients to do different as well as say things different? I'd say um, before Purpose became quite prominent, I had a bit of experience in this, being someone kind of, um, I got into influencer marketing, let's say, when that was quite a new thing. And I had lots of people sort of saying, oh, you're a millennial, it's never going to last, et cetera, et cetera. So I had a bit of experience dealing with something quite new that people often thought thought was farty-tarty. And I learned some sort of tactics, if you like, in terms of influencing people. And that starts with speaking the language of the decision makers, because the number one thing is, I think the higher up you go in a company or, or the, the higher up you speak to, such as founder, et cetera, the more disconnect there is with what's actually going on. Um, and I found the way to speak their language is bringing them actual proof, you know, making them listen to their actual consumers. And that's why it's so important to bring it back to the, um, the heart of who they're serving, because often, you know, companies, we get in our heads of what we want. And there's a disconnect between what's actually happening in society and what the consumer and actual people want. So I bring it back to that. I speak their language in terms of, right, you know, to set your business goals, you've got to make your consumers happy. And making your consumers happy is not just about, you know, a monetary thing. It's about bigger purpose, about, you know, having good impact in the world. And so it also it makes business sense as well as, you know, just doing good in, on earth as well. And um, so that, that's the kind of key things, um, you know, I do, I think. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it was either Ben or Matt that mentioned in terms of reputation. Again, that's a tactic you use to speak to individuals that don't get it the first time, kind of speak back to language they know, such as reputation, such as, you know, your consumer, such as, you know, making a, a great impact. Um, so sometimes you've got to be um, quite tactical in how you deliver things to make change. And so building upon that, I mean, how, do, how does a practitioner listening to this say, right, I want to go and start being more purposeful, making our organisation or client more purposeful? What sort of practical steps uh, can they do as a practitioner to expand or begin this journey? I'll give a health warning, Andy, that, that, that they'll be able to do that. I think some things the, the organisation needs to make the first step and possibly the second and third step uh, on, on, on this stuff. You can take the horse to water but can't make it drink. However, on the basis that you're, you're getting some good signals that the organisation is serious about it, I think that the individual or the agency have got to identify the change makers on the client side and get on their shoulder and join their 
crew and try and get some momentum into it. It is not a, often not a purpose doesn't happen by committee. It usually happens by somebody who's an icebreaker, who's just pushing this thing through and seeing off obstacles. So my advice would be find that icebreaker and get on board, uh, you know, alongside the, the, the captain uh, and the crew of that icebreaker. Will be your icebreakers, Matt, in this matter. I think that's a you know I think Ben's point is is really well made in terms of of identifying the the change makers the the people that are going to kind of really make a difference and and it's then about equipping them to be able to make that change to an extent. So one of the things and we talked about uh, we talk about through the, the some of the Dublin conversation um, toolkits is is around you know, how you can help people plan towards it. So the sort of the various frameworks that exist out there that people can can maybe look at, things like the UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, things like B Corp certification, BITC has responsible business mapping, those sorts of things. In in Wales, we've got a, a Future Generations, uh, sorry, Wellbeing of Future Generations Act. Um, so there are some structures out there which which you can use to kind of start to almost audit your organisation against um, and start to look at some of the areas where maybe you can sort of pull together an evidence base to say, look, we, you know, our customers really care about this, our staff really cares about this issue, and if you look at it, actually we're not doing enough. There's all those other businesses out there that are doing some great things that we could um, you know, create a new network with maybe, that work together and do it under a framework so that you know all of your efforts are actually contributing to this kind of greater effort um, that uh, that others are making. So I would say go and um, go and start, start with a framework, start with a plan. Shannon, you're a new vibrant agency. I mean, how do you go about getting your clients to be more purposeful the interesting thing is like even you know whilst i was in house and, and even now i think there's so much focus and so much um effort into creating purpose and it, as ben mentioned i think he, it, was, it was such a great story to, to hear that some a brand went to an agency to say right oh let's make a purpose all right great you know and a lot of the time the brands already have it just revisit your why revisit your values mm. because values often derive from purpose um, and i've been at organizations where you know, the comms and, and the marketing and everything is so different because there's nothing that unifies them. And you have amazing stories, you have amazing values, but I think it just gets buried in CSRs and like the fluff, like, oh, we don't need to visit, revisit that. And I think companies forget how integral that is. That's their, that's their like, almost compass, if you like. Um, and just taking it back to your values rather than creating or getting overwhelmed with creating something new or what, looking at what's socially desired and trying to make that part of your business. And it doesn't make sense. You know, just go back to why you started your business. Go back to that and educate your, you know, your, your, everyone, your stakeholders, your employees, your influencers, your PRs, your agencies, etc. So everyone creates and, and, and speaks on the same guidebook, if you like. But often... You don't need to do a lot of work to find that because it's right there. It's why you started. Just revisit it. So we've previously referenced this idea of like purpose wash or fake purpose, um, people pretending to be purposeful to make themselves look good. What can we do about that? Uh, a few years ago, I was approached by uh, a, a, a fintech platform and they were offering very expensive small loans to people at 1,500% per year interest rates but you know you got them for like three or four weeks they were aimed at people uh, a, a low income and uh, they said to me ben you you do the purpose thing can, can you we're giving people freedom we're giving people financial freedom when they've got nothing and they need to pay for something we're there for them when everyone else turns them down i mean you know we're clearly uh, a purposeful organization can you help us take it to the next level and uh, uh you know, my answer was, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And so to answer your <laughs> question, Andy, I think that to avoid purpose wash, you've got to call it. My experience has been that you won't be the only one in the room who is feeling like that. And let's just get it on the table and sort this thing out. Um, uh, because it is toxic. It undermines all of the people who are trying to do something well and do something good. Um, and it spreads around and it really just undermines things uh, in a big way. As I said, it's put me off the whole scene for months on end before. Um, and it's got to be eliminated. It's got to be called out. It's just ridiculous, you know, so call it. Uh, Matt, what about your side? I mean, anything that could be done to tackle fake purpose or purpose wash? 
same thing really and, and again it's it's one of the um tools that we'll be releasing through the the Dublin conversations is is all around this this idea of of, of being aware of it as well because it, it can be inadvertent it can be it can be being done benignly in some instances and you, and and you know Shannon's point earlier on about kind of seeing unseen challenges you know you, you might you might not even be aware it's happening you know so I, I think there's there's definitely that that point about being brave enough to call it out when you do see it but also being aware enough um, of the various different types that might be out there so that you can kind of see it and stop it happening and you've got to have a, a structure around you. you've got to have a corporate structure around you that is strong enough to back you up if you do call it out and it's not always easy if you're in a bigger organization and calling out that decision is going to cost that business money um, so you know you need to know that culturally you're in an organization that will back you up if when you you know when it does hit the table when you do smell it um, and you do call it out um, that someone's going to have your back Shannon what do you think could be done more could be done to tackle this issue of like fake purpose and purpose wash again you know Matt and Ben have been really spot on with that um, and it just all derives around being comfortable getting uncomfortable and it's very uncomfortable to challenge things it's very uncomfortable to be a leader or you know or to go against the grain but um you know that's integral to ensure um there's integrity around purpose and some of the things i do when if someone's sort of concerned around what can we do externally we want to do this we want to do that the, some of the first questions like i asked before moving forward with a client is just understanding what they are doing internally how is this part of a bigger picture um, and sort of educating them to say, actually, to, to sort of like, you know, protect your reputation, just be mindful that if you are doing something and it looks great outwardly, you know, you may need to show proof of that internally or, or you know, you may be questioned about what bigger commitments you are making. Um, and if you don't have the infrastructure to do that internally, perhaps partner with organisations that are already leading something. Um, that's something that is interesting in this time. Brand, a lot of brands are trying to just jump on things or try to look like they're you know, the one spearheading things. And, you know, purpose isn't new. It wasn't created in 2021 or 2020. I think a lot of people um, don't realise that, as ignorant and patronising as that sounds, not meant to come across that way. But um, there's a lot of amazing businesses that have been doing fantastic work for so long. I think it's actually awesome for businesses with with amazing platforms to actually partner and and kind of leverage the existing work that's been going on in this space rather than sort of say, oh, we're leading it. Look at us, look at us, look at our bells and whistles. And taking taking attention away from yourself to serve a bigger purpose and perhaps give attention to something else to someone else is probably, you know, the the that's as purposeful as, as you can get, to be honest. It's not serving you directly, but actually impacting someone else or, or helping a bigger goal. And so looking into the future, is the future for the public relations and communications industry one of maybe like rebranding as a purpose relations? Um, how do you see this subject of purpose emerging, uh, finding its place in our work and in our industry? I reckon it's going to be the norm um, rather than the exception. Um, and I say that because I recently discovered what Generation Alpha was. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, I've heard I've heard a lot of millennials about, I've heard a lot about Gen Z. And I was like, Generation Alpha, what? Um, but, so they're individuals born 2010 and they're just blowing me away already. Then next wave of generations, they um, there was a report that looked at that compared baby boomers, um, millennials and gen alphas. And they were asking questions such as, oh, how important is it that everyone's equal? How important is it that, you know, people are treated fair? Did uh, baby boomers were like, not that important. You know, millennials were like, oh, it's kind of important. Then generation alpha was like, absolutely important. Environmental is important. Da, da, da. So I believe, you know, the brands and people sort of saying purpose is a fad. We don't need to incorporate it. They're not paying attention to the next generation. And we're seeing, you know, in luxury industries and so many industries, Gen Z and Gen, and Gen Millennial are sort of like leading um, the purpose and power. Every generation, just, they get more equity. So I believe that, you know, to speak to the next generation, to ensure they, they resonate, um, got to adapt um, and be authentic. Matt, public relations or purpose relations? Where's your take? Absolutely. I was nodding furiously to everything Shannon just said, and I I think it's absolutely spot on. Um, And, you know, I I think it would feel to me deeply, deeply cynical for the PR industry to to try and kind of start to park its tanks on the lawn of purpose for purely kind of commercial reasons. Um, So, um, yeah, I think uh, my answer to that is uh, what Shannon said. And Ben, what about you? 
Public relations or purpose relations? <laughs> public relations only. Public relations, not purpose relations. And <laughs> um, it will. It, as I'm with Shannon as well. I think you put that really well, Shannon. It is now core. It is uh, a hygiene factor for us, not a nice to have. It's a bit like saying, you know, how is the public relations industry adapting to digital? I mean, we need to get over that and not keep going on about digital. We don't go on about radio and TV <laughs> and how are we adapting to those. So at some point or other, we've got to say we're just doing it now. And I think uh, purpose is like that, really. It's core business. So we're just about to wind up our session here. But before we go, I mean, is there one thing, one uh, advice, one piece of practical advice you could advise our listeners to do one thing different? What would it be? Recognise the power that you have as a professional communicator and use your powers for good i love that uh, uh, shannon one thing from you what would that be my um my one thing would be let's do more empathetic listening i think we do a lot of talking we do a lot of um, doing um let's do more empathetic listening i hear you there ben what about you ask why all the time keep asking it Somebody in some business book somewhere said you should ask five whys. Just keep on saying why and and see if people can just peel away the layers and explain, what are we actually doing this for? If it doesn't stack up, maybe don't do it. Guys, can I have a massive thank you because it's been an absolute delight to to listen to you, uh, share the conversation. Uh, and I'm sure really we can sort of set the people thinking about, well, we, we need change. We've got to do things different. And I think you've given some valuable inspiration and practical guidance going forward there. So thank you so much. And uh, let's go forward and be more purposeful. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Amazing. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for this latest episode of the CIPR Engage podcast. And don't forget to log your CPD points as this podcast is worth five. And while you're there, check out the range of training and learning available from the CIPR. We'll be back with another episode of Engage next quarter. Until then though, take care. <laughs>